0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today
1: with Byte. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. With last year's free agency crop leaving a lot to be desired, our beloved had a lot of work to do with this year's class in order to get the Bears back on track to becoming contenders again in the NFC North. Who are these new Chicago Bears, and are they worth getting excited about? Lauren Cox is back to help us with this and more on the free agency review episode of the Chicago Bears Review. Here we are. It's early April, although the, uh, the weather wouldn't let you know that. I mean, if you're anywhere near the Midwest, you know how much the weather sucks right now. But uh, nonetheless, it's early April, so it is time to return for the free agency review episode. What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back once again, and a little bit later on, we'll be joined by our good friend Lauren Cox from Locked on Bears and Pro Football Focus and BearsWire.com. Um, we had a great talk. I hope everybody... Has a nice, comfy chair, someplace quiet, and I hope you've got some time because Lauren and I went on for a while. Uh, we covered a lot. We talked about all of our free agent guys, everybody we picked up, who we kept, and everything in between. We even talked a little bit about the draft uh, towards the end there, and um, we covered a lot. And we were at it for quite a bit. So um, you know, it's it's uh, it's good to be back. Um, I will be back more frequently now that the off season is actually starting to, to wind down. Uh, sometime in the next couple of weeks before the draft, this, the, this, the schedule is going to come out. Uh, so we'll have our schedule release uh, episode when we talk about the uh, 2018 schedule, who the Bears are playing. Well, we actually, we know who they're playing. We just actually get to find out when uh, they're actually playing. And uh, so that will be interesting, who the Bears open up the, the um Matt Nagy, uh, era with when is that first game against green Bay, uh, and everything else, uh, in between, it's going to be, uh, you know, a lot of interesting questions that we get answered, uh, when the schedule comes out, that'll be the next one. Then we'll have our draft preview episode and then our draft review episode, trying to get our friend Scott Wright from draftcountdown.com back on the show to, uh, to help us out, uh, with those. So hopefully we can get him in the, uh, in the mix to come back and help us out with that. So, uh, in the meantime, we got our free agency review. Uh, I'm going to save all of my opinions for our conversation, uh, with Lauren cause, um, I put it all in there. Uh, we did also talk about the, this Jordan Howard mess. Um, you know, this whole thing about, uh, you know, I mean, we talked about it before Jordan Howard was part of the, uh, the talk of, uh, you know possible Jarvis Landry uh trade uh and everything thankfully that did not happen and now there's kind of rumors swirling about that uh you know something's going on with Jordan Howard he deleted all of his Chicago Bear related photos from his Instagram account and uh all that kind of stuff i mean could he be gearing up to you know to be dealt on draft day or something like that or you know whatever uh, you know, lots of rumors about him being uh, a, a not a good fit in Nagy's offense. Um, I was talking to my dad earlier today, and we were having a conversation about that. And you know, Matt Nagy hasn't coached it down yet. Uh, we don't know how good his offensive system is uh, or anything like that. And the last thing that you want to do uh, in in intro, you know, while you're still getting introduced to the Bear fan base, is to cut your best player. I mean, and, and, you know he's it right now you know tariq cohen awesome player brett uh, trubisky he's going to be the face of the franchise in the very near future you know kyle long is uh you know kind of the most popular player at the moment but the best player the guy that ran into a brick wall of humanity how many times last year and somehow still managed to be in the top five or six uh for leading rushers in the nfl last year despite all of it uh and this is a guy that you don't think is a good fit because he's not the best patch catcher out of the backfield and it's 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 nonsense it really is so hopefully it's it's all just conjecture and there's a good reason for for Howard you know taking those pictures off his Instagram or uh, or whatever maybe he was hacked or, or whatever I don't know but uh I'm not a fan of it and all I can say is it better not be true uh because losing Jordan Howard or getting rid of or trading him away or whatever this is not how you want to get yourself acclimated to the fan base by getting rid of the only highlight of 2017, quite frankly. So, you know, Trubisky was a pleasant surprise, but he wasn't the highlight. Jordan Howard was, and um, it's not you don't want to be getting rid of him. That's just all there is to it. So, um, anyway, there's not a whole lot else going on uh, right now with the uh, with the Bears, and, and and when I say that, I mean there's not a whole lot going on that Lauren and I didn't cover. Uh, in the conversation i mean we talked about a lot of it <laughs> so um you know we we talked for an hour and a half at least so i hope you guys are comfortable hope you're not busy and uh you know it, it's it's a, it's a rather in-depth thing you know we talked about all the bears uh acquisitions and um and everything else and uh like i said we talked a bit about the draft and uh everything uh in between so it's uh you know, we even talked about who the Bears maybe should be talking to and about an extension, you know, guys whose rookie contracts are coming up, uh, anything like that, anybody we might want to pick up after the draft or, or, you know, was there anything that we didn't do that you wish we had and so on and so forth. So, um, you know, that's about all there is to it for now. So go ahead and buckle in. Myself and Lauren Cox, a good friend of the show, uh, getting into it real deep. Oh, yeah. One last thing uh, before I, uh, you know, uh, step aside and let myself and Lauren take over uh, the show. Uh, Lauren did have me on his podcast, Locked on Bears. Um, it's uh, it's an awesome show. They do it about three, four times a week, even during the offseason. Uh, had me on uh, basically right after we uh, did this interview uh, last night and uh, we had a great time. Talked more about the draft and uh, who our big board is, who are the who are the guys that we could pick or we would pick if we could pick anybody and all the rest of that stuff. It is available now, so you go ahead and download that wherever you get your, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. It was a good time, and uh, for those of you that like it when me and Lauren get together, there's a motivation for you. And that show, I'm sure, is only about 30 minutes long as opposed to the hour and 30 minutes you're about to enjoy right now when me and Lauren get in-depth with the free agency review. So without further ado, let's get to it. So here we are with our free agency review. Going to be breaking down who the Bears signed, who we wanted to sign, who you know we talked to, we didn't get, and who we didn't even talk to and never got around to it or anything like that. But here, join me, our good friend of the show, whose resume keeps growing no matter how many times we have him on the show, with uh, Pro Football Focus, the Locked on Bears podcast, uh, Bears Wire, and uh, uh, Partridge in a Pear Tree, our good friend.
0: That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. (laughs) Mm, mm, mm. visit carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be convenient comfortable ah. thanks for having me on again larry it's always a good time when you and i can just talk bears get lost in the conversation and the time really flies by so i'm looking forward to it here
1: absolutely so um it's been a- an important off season for our beloved we hired a brand new uh head coach i think you and i agree that this guy was towards the bottom if not at the bottom of the list of potential candidates that the Bears interviewed. Uh, When we had you on for the year in review uh, episode, we both agreed that Pat Shermer was the guy that we both thought would be perfect uh, for the Bears. Instead, they hire Matt Nagy, um, offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. And despite uh, my objections in the beginning, um, everything that we've heard about him, everything that I've seen from him up to this point, makes me think that uh, the Bears might be onto something here.
0: Yeah, you know, the more I think about it, the more I've kind of felt like Matt Nagy is the Ryan Pace mold of of when he has the freedom to kind of choose the person he wants. You know, like Matt Nagy is kind of like his Leonard Floyd, his Kevin White. It's the maybe the the quote unquote raw head coaching candidate that he kind of sees as a diamond in the rough, identifies really early in the process, goes, make sure he gets his guy, even if maybe not everybody on the outside agrees with the decision-making and, and maybe doesn't quite see it the same way he does but so far the early returns have been encouraging but i'm hesitant to get too caught up in the hype just yet because we've heard it all before with different coaches for different reasons really like it. you know there's no, no reason from what he said and what he's done to be concerned but i'm gonna kind of wait and see until we see wins on the field in the fall i'm not ready to buy in a hundred percent just yet i'll kind of want to see because we've been burned so many
1: times before. Oh god, have we ever. Uh you're absolutely right. I mean, it's it's just that you know, damn the bears, man. No matter what they put us through in the fall, they somehow always give us a reason to be hopeful uh this time of year. You know, well, except for last year. Last year I just felt a disaster uh coming for the off season. I was not happy with the draft. You and I have talked about that uh before even though it turned out to be a pretty decent draft class as far as production on the field I mean it just had wait and see written all over it we did nothing in the off season to prepare for us getting a quarterback and everything last year but most of the time most off seasons they seem to just make a move here make a move there or do something that has us hopeful and ready for the season to start only to pull the rug from underneath us when the season actually gets going
0: yeah you kind of feel like you know, Ryan Pace, because he invests so much in free agency, he kind of gives you that carrot on a stick. Like if if the Bears were more like the Green Bay Packers, which, again, on paper sounds like a bad thing, but if they, if they happen to be more like the Green Bay Packers and didn't do as much in free agency, I think Bears fans would be going crazy this time of year. You know, what are they doing? They're sitting on their hands. They're not getting this team better. They're waiting for the draft. I, I think it's sort of a, a necessary evil to invest in free agency. Obviously, Pace has kind of been hit and miss with a lot of these guys, but when he does make the signings in the offseason, people do get encouraged. I think there were even some people that got excited about Mike Glennon last year that said, here's a quarterback that they're investing in that maybe has some untapped potential, and maybe Tampa Bay wasn't quite the right situation for him. Maybe he wasn't treated perfectly, fairly, because they had an opportunity to get a better quarterback. Maybe, just maybe, you can kind of find reasons to be optimistic about all the signings. Even if they don't turn out that way,
1: well, you're you're forgetting everyone's favorite reason for liking Mike Lennon last year. You're leaving that out. You know, what oh, he's is, not Jay right? Cutler. That's exactly right. Everyone was in love momentarily with Mike Lennon because he wasn't Jay Cutler. I mean, that was the huge positive of of getting him last year was that it meant Jay Cutler was gone. So it, it was uh, that was everyone's number one reason for liking Lennon a year ago at this time. But, yeah, I remember um,
0: people saying. Sign anyone but Jay Cutler. Well, how did that work out for weeks yes. one through four?
1: <laughs> oh God, it was a disaster, man. Don't want to relive that again, you know, but uh, you know, you mentioned early returns as far as the the presence uh, of Matt Nagy, everyone that, uh, or at least the offensive hall that we pulled in uh, during free agency has noted Nagy as a reason why they were interested in coming here. I mean, the our, our the crown jewel of our of our free agency class, Allen Robinson. We finally have ourselves a number one receiver for the first time, well in a while. I mean, Alshon was uh, was our number one by default, but didn't really play like one the last year or two. He was in Chicago. Robinson turns down an opportunity to go to Green Bay and play with Rodgers, so that he can come to Chicago, catch passes from Trubisky and run in uh, in Nagy's offense.
0: Yeah, it's it was an interesting way that that all played out. Like It seemed like the as the, the rumors kept surfacing, it was like Bears and Packers are both going after Allen Robinson. Bears and Packers are both going after Sammy Watkins. Bears and Packers are both going after Jimmy Graham. And it seems like the Bears pretty well came away with the guy they wanted the most out of those three. Packers still got Jimmy Graham, but boy, Allen Robinson, he was number one on my free agent wish list. A, a true number one wide receiver that's young, and I know he's coming off of the injury, but we've seen i mean i, I don't want to minimize how severe an acl tear is but in recent years we've seen a lot of wide receivers come back from acl tears and and continue to play at a high level e- nearly equal to the level that they played before you know i think keenan allen with the chargers and a few other guys i can't think of off the top of my head you know this injury hasn't proven to be too debilitating to younger wide receivers especially somebody like allen robinson that doesn't necessarily rely on his speed or explosiveness. He's just a strong route runner. He's a big guy. He can go up and get it. He can track the ball deep, and he can separate using his body underneath and just so many ways that he can be a quarterback's best friend. And most importantly, it showed that Ryan Pace is prioritizing, building around his young quarterback, and that's the most important thing.
1: Absolutely. And, and the one thing other that we also have to keep in mind is that when he actually suffered that injury— I mean, he suffered it. You know, did he even get into the second half of game one uh, last year? I mean, he pretty much was. You know, he gotten through the hardest part before the season was over, and then like the off season was all about strengthening and 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 getting ready to go for the off season. I mean, the Bears started their their uh, their uh, their off season program this week. Was he participating? Do you know? I I didn't see for
0: sure, but yeah, I think he played in like literally three snaps of the first game of the season, and. Uh, he he's when he was at his press conference, he talked about how he's pretty much pretty pretty darn close to one hundred percent and isn't really at risk of missing anything. so i I would assume he was there. I feel like it would have been a story if he wasn't there. So right. Uh, but I, I don't know how much or how physically intensive they they got on day one or if they were kind of just doing meetings and stuff
1: right. well, when once they got Alan Robinson, I mean, that's enough to to hold over for a while, but the bears kept plowing ahead. And uh, added a Taylor Gabriel from the from the Atlanta Falcons, four years, twenty six mil, fourteen million guaranteed. And this is the speed guy that uh, that we that we're adding to our, our wide receiving core. And um, you know, I was very excited when I heard the Bears landed him because I have a feeling that with the attention that's going to be paid to Robinson, he might have a chance to be the guy that uh, lights up the scoreboard this year.
0: Yeah, I think there's going to be plenty of balls to go around here. You know, I, I struggle to get too ahead of myself with him only because a lot of times you see these guys in in maybe slightly smaller roles on other teams, and it doesn't necessarily always translate to a bigger role on a new team. You know, I, I don't know if he can maintain, you know, the 15-plus yards per reception he's put up in other parts of his career if, you know, if he's getting more balls. It, it kind of seems like some of these guys, as they get more volume, their efficiency can go down a little bit more, but I still think he's a pretty darn solid complementary piece. You know, he's he maybe is your your number three or number four option in the offense, especially if Cam Meredith comes back and starts opposite Robinson. Right. All of a sudden, the attention does come away from Gabriel, and I think he's a guy that maybe you're still only going to get forty catches out of, but that could be worth another six, seven hundred yards, which is more than enough to compete as a as a third or fourth wide receiver. I mean, if if that guy, if your third or fourth guy is getting as many yards as your number one guy got the previous year, sign me up for that.
1: Absolutely. And the other one that I was I was really excited about him, I didn't get to see him play much, but every time that I did see him play, he made something happen. But also the guy that I feel has the biggest boom or bust potential of the guys that we signed, and that was Trey Burton, the tight end uh from the uh from the Eagles. You know, I feel like this guy could either be the next Travis Kelsey or you know the the other worst tight end that's ever worn a Bears uniform. You know I just feel like this guy could be huge uh, if uh, if it works out.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. That I I sort of have cautious optimism with him. You know you are projecting a, a bigger role for a player and and seeing if he can handle that. And by all indications, he seems like a smart player. And you watch his tape; he's athletic. He knows how to work like a receiver down the field. But at the same time, he's never been a guy that's phenomenal. With the ball in his hand And I think this past season His yards after the catch average By the pro football focus numbers Was tied for worst in the NFL with Jason Witten And sometimes that's just, You know if he catches a ball on a curl Opportunity to make yards after the catch So it's not purely an indictment of his ability to make plays But at the same time He hasn't proven the ability to be that, That next level threat I think he can be a very reliable possession tight end At the very least He can kind of be Zach Miller But whether or not he is that next left tight end, that I think is what the Bears are trying to invest in, and, and we'll see exactly how it pays out.
1: And what do you think of the, uh, the Bears' move to, to keep uh, Deion Sims? I mean, with, 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 him, with, with Burton coming on board and, and you know, hopefully the, the rise of Adam, Adam Shaheen as he progresses into his uh, career, what do you think the idea of, of keeping Deion Sims, and maybe not so much keeping him, but keeping him at his current salary, which is you know six plus million dollars uh, for the season, yeah, the Deion
0: Sims thing is weird because like I mean I mean like objectively, like he should have been released regardless of what happened with Trey Burton. I just I mean I wasn't a huge fan when they signed him from Miami and didn't have a good year very much at all. I mean not contributing as a passer, which isn't really his forte, but I didn't think he was very strong as a blocker either. And it's a lot of money to pay someone like that. So, I mean, I would have released him anyway, but knowing the bears and and it seems like Ryan Pace has still kind of stood by this guy, you know, even as he hasn't been all that productive. So I I wasn't necessarily sold that signing Trey Burton was going to mean that Deion Sims is gone because they play such different positions in the offense. Like I really think, Sims is sort of your in-line-every-down-starting tight end, and, and Trey Burton is your Zach Miller, who essentially plays as many snaps as a starter but isn't sort of playing on the line of scrimmage. He's playing a lot in the slot. They're moving him around and, and kind of just trying to get mismatches with him. And so for me, this Deion Sims situation was going to be 100% a reflection of how they feel Adam Shaheen is coming along. I think if they had released Deion Sims, that was them saying, we think Adam Shaheen is ready to step in and be our starting tight end, but I think the fact that Deion Sims is still back means the Bears are looking at Shaheen saying he still needs at least another year before we're ready to really give him the keys and be the the starting number one tight end. So Deion Sims sticks around. It's a high price to pay, but you know at least with Burton, he's going to be playing – pretty much wide receiver half the time so right. if you look at it from like a salary cap by position spending you can kind of cut Trey Burton's in half and maybe it's a little bit easier to swallow
1: yeah I mean it's just um it's it's interesting our, our tight end position I mean I, I know that the the reason that they signed Burton was to be more uh, of, a, of a of a Travis Kelsey and that Deion Sims fills a different role he's going to be more of our our run guy and and, and Shaheen was supposed to be somewhere in the middle he's supposed to be the the guy that can probably do both. And, you know, the one thing that I'm encouraged about is that I think that at least with this coaching staff, with the imagination or, you know, innovativeness or just variety that they say they're going to bring to the offense, that it means that at least Shaheen's going to get a chance to develop in the offense as opposed to whatever the hell Dole Loggins calls what he was doing last year. (laughs) Yeah,
0: they're... Uh, you know, there's going to be opportunities in theory here uh, from what we've heard for the best players to get out of the field and to get balls in the passing game. And, you know, whether that's Burton or Shaheen and how that competition is going to play out, you know, we'll kind of see. But if there's anyone who seems to know or at least seems to sound like he knows what to do with these guys, it is Matt Nagy. And I think Ryan Pace kind of identified that in him in trying to find someone that understands how to put players in the best position to be successful and to maximize their strengths and minimize their weaknesses, whereas it seemed like the previous regime was more trying to fit players into their scheme instead of the other way around.
1: Right. I mean, it was a a mind-boggling thing listening to them, especially when that one time, and I mean, I beat down on it for the rest of the year, the whole thing where, you know, oh, yeah, we, we, we react to the defense and what they're doing instead of playing the game like everyone else does and making it go the way, you know, let the defense react to you and somehow the dick, the defense is dictating who we put on the field and win. It just, I could not wrap my head around how that was supposed to work.
0: And and now that is the offensive coordinator of the Miami dolphins. So <laughs> we'll see how that goes down there.
1: Right. And we'll see how much power he has down there because the guy that he's working for was the guy calling the plays when he was here in Chicago. So you know, this is the guy that was answering to, to you know, Adam Gase being here. Uh, Loggins was just the quarterback coach. Probably a job he should have kept as opposed to being a play caller because it obviously did not work out. So,
0: <clears throat> excuse me. It, it begs the question, too, like, and I, we were thinking about this all last offseason of, like, why, why the Bears are wasting Mitchell Trubisky's rookie year with a, a dead duck head coach and an offensive coordinator that really didn't show any promise. How much farther along – would that kid and this offense be if they had hired a different head coach last year that knew what was going on with the offensive side of the ball and, and you know didn't waste that, that sort of critical first year of development of building those habits on a young quarterback and getting him comfortable with the NFL system. Now he's learning Matt, Matt Nagy's terminology and his playbook and everything is kind of changing after a whole year of, of learning a different way to do it.
1: You know, and you're preaching to the choir there, Lauren, because um, <laughs> that was chief reason number one why I didn't want the Bears to draft a quarterback at all last year. Um, we just after the offseason that we had, we simply were not ready for a quarterback. And, um, you know, I, I stand by that even to this day. I mean, and as we watched the offense be what it was in 2017, I was absolutely right. I was wrong about Trubisky. As far as, like, you know, we shouldn't be picking this kid because, you know, I'm in love with him now. You know, I supported the kid because we have to. He's one of ours now, so we got to root for him. But, uh, you know, I was scared to death that the first year was going to be an utter tits-up disaster because we didn't prepare ourselves. We didn't go out and replace any, uh, re- replace Alshon. We didn't sign anybody worth a damn or worth anybody talking about In in free agency, we didn't draft any real weapons uh, that could come in immediately, or at least so one could think anyway, with the whole thing. And it just, um, Trubisky worked out better than we could have hoped for, starting as many games as he did. Playing as long as he did, just with those two idiots at the controls, really had you worried about what kind of develop habits he's going to develop that might ruin him going forward. Yeah,
0: and now the bar's set pretty low this off-season. Like, at least for for our reference point. It seems like pretty much every move they've made this year is like a, a welcomed relief from what we saw last year, you know, of coaching staff, free agency and, and then when we get to the draft, hopefully we'll see the same thing.
1: Speaking of which, the coaching staff, the one big move, you know, bringing back uh a Vic Fangio, uh that was that was huge. It was almost like, you know, people we kept wanting to draw parallels between what the Rams and Eagles did last year and what the bears could be going forward here. Well, I mean the, the parallel with the bears and the Rams right now, is kind of spooky at this point. We, even though uh, Nagy isn't as young as uh, McVay, he's definitely a younger uh, head coach and he went out and secured the, you know, the defensive guy that's going to, you know, that's been in the NFL forever is going to be in charge of, of running the defense and, and keeping a status quo with the defense while he works on the offense yeah, and i
0: I mean, I agree that bringing back Vic Fangio was a critical move, especially when your head coach is young like this. I mean, you know Pat, like if, if Pat Schumer had been the head coach or a uh, um, perhaps more experienced guy, maybe it wouldn't have been as critical of a thing. I mean, it's still huge to have that continuity. But to then also have someone that's been a defensive coordinator for such a long time, has worked with a lot of different head coaches and kind of seen how the dynamic of a team works. definitely a lot of value there with Vic Fangio. But when I look at this whole coaching staff, you know, there's there's a lot of names and and you're it's easy to get excited, you know, adding the influence of Mark Helfrich into the offense and Harry Heaston, the offensive line coach. But I c I can't help but be a little bit concerned because Matt Nagy is putting together a coaching staff of guys that he doesn't really know. I mean, you know, he's gotten recommendations he said from people throughout the league and people he trusts get, you know, telling him that this guy would be worth hiring. But when you're building a coaching staff that has to be on the same page about everything and build a cohesive culture and mentality and strategy, and you're putting together all these different personalities that you aren't even familiar with as a head coach, a new head coach, a young head coach, part of me is just a little bit concerned about how everyone's going to fit together. And I, you know, it's one thing when it's just, the whole defensive staff versus your whole offensive staff that you bring and put together. But, I mean, Nagy's never worked with Harry Houston. I don't think he's ever worked with Mark Helfrich. I mean, he, he's putting together these this staff of guys that he, it's, it's kind of going in a little bit risky there. And I, I don't know, what, what's your take on, on the difference there and, and sort of the differences of opinions and different perspectives but trying to fit them all in and, and coach them even though you've never worked with them before?
1: On the offensive side, I, I worry that there may be too many cooks in the kitchen um nagy has said from from moment one at his press conference he's going to be the play caller but you know he brings in a guy like helfridge he brings in um brad childress i mean i I think maybe like what you're talking about bringing a bunch of guys he doesn't know he brought in brad childress he may have done that to kind of balance it out a little bit there's somebody that he knows somebody that he can lean on someone he can can confide in when it comes to that and um you know, also a guy who's been a head coach in this league before, so can also offer some advice and experience as far as that goes. In the same division, no less. You know, he was with the Vikings. So, you know, where it was kind of uh, you know, mentioned out of the side of people's mouths that Brad Childress was bring brought in as an offensive consultant, that might be the biggest hire he made with that coaching staff. Yeah, I, I
0: totally agree. If I'm Harry Heastander, You know, Mike Furry, the wide receiver's coach, who I guess he is familiar with from the arena football league, or if I'm Dave Ragone, the quarterback's coach that was retained, you know, all of a sudden am I do I feel comfortable that this offensive consultant who doesn't coach any positions on the team, he has more authority than I do in this offense. You know, like you just you mix all these personalities together and and maybe it's gonna work great and maybe they're all gonna mesh and it's all gonna work fine. But it's just for me it adds another unknown and another question mark and just a little bit more risk. You know, potentially with even greater reward, but just another risk for a rookie head coach that maybe maybe I'd like to try and mitigate that as much as possible.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I I like I said, I do have a feeling about Nagy and just his energy, his forthcomingness that we haven't seen in God knows how long when it comes to a head coach of the Bears. I mean, Lovey was you know historically you know evasive when it came to the press. Uh, Tressman was like talking to a statue, and then. You know, John Fox was setting records for you know the way that he was elusive and you know like when he wouldn't tell everybody what was wrong with uh, like the illness that um, oh somebody on the team was sick.
0: Dion Sims had yes,
1: Dion Sims. It's like, well, what's wrong with him? I mean, does he have there's AIDS? against that you know give me a break, <laughs> dude. Seriously, it's like, what the hell's wrong with the guy? Is he dying? For Christ's sake, I mean, seriously. You know the now- way that he, it was just ridiculous the way that he would handle things like that. And uh, now John Fox is coming to an ESPN studio near you. Right. I wonder how that's gonna work out, man. <laughs> I really do. But um, uh-huh. you know, it's like you know, it's it's. I just have a feeling that 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 Nagy is a better fit as a whole. You know, we'll see what he does when he gets the guys in front of him and when he gets on the field and the decisions that he makes and all that kind of stuff. It just it feels like it's a better fit. You know, and and maybe even more so because he's working with Ryan Pace and this is. Really, Pace's guy, as opposed to, you know, John Fox and Ryan Pace basically being hired together uh, like they were in, in 2015. Pace had the chance. He led the charge. He hired the guy. And now he's, he, you know, he's putting together the team that that guy wants to be able to put an offense together that the Bears did not have last year.
0: Yeah. And I think there's something that feels more, I guess, secure about that. That, like, now the GM and the head coach and the quarterback. They're all tied together, and mm-hmm. they're gonna all live together. They're gonna die together. They're gonna have success together. They're gonna fail together. And if, if things go wrong, they're pretty much all gone. And if things go right, then they're all you know in the they're, they're all glorified in Chicago. So it, it, there's no longer this like, well, did Ryan Pace want John Fox even want Mitchell Trubisky? Like sort of this this sort of disconnect between front and players. Now they're at least all on the same page, and that sort of excuse or, or question mark or you know blemish is it's out the window they're locked and loaded and on the same page and we'll see what that page is going to provide
1: right and you know with the with the the the, as we continue our, our our list of uh free agents here uh we apparently have answered the mystery about who the who our kicker is going to be uh i honestly had never heard of him before we signed him four years 15 million to cody parkey from the miami dolphins but when i heard his his resume it's like oh he made more than he missed that's that's definitely the guy that we need to have on our team as opposed to uh Connor Barth last year who was uh you know, it's like it's fifty fifty when you're when you're kicking a field goal, but this guy he would always go out there, it's it's twenty eighty somehow with the with that guy every time that he would try to kick the ball. Yeah, it was funny, like when Cody Parkey got up
0: there on for his press conference, he really just kinda looked like he was one of the sports reporters that had just had a suit on and sat up there to start answering questions. But you know, <laughs> it's a kicker. Yeah. He's had experience with the special teams coordinator, and his job. It's a little bit concerning that he's now on his fourth team in the last four years. And like, typically, if you're a young kicker that's accurate, like, not a team want to lock you up, and maybe the Bears just kind of caught him in a good spot and were were able to be that team that locks him up. But you know, there's 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 not a lot of red flags there. He missed some extra points in the last couple of years that maybe catch your eye a little bit. But I think the less we hear Cody Parkey's name this season, the better.
1: And then to, to kind of wrap up our offensive signings, um, you know, if if you're looking at teams like the, the Eagles or the uh, Vikings, teams that had enormous success last year, this signing may be the most important, the one that the Bears made this offseason, which was signing Chase Daniel to be our backup quarterback. Um, you know, he's he's uh, to only two years, 10 Ten million dollars, but uh, this could be this could prove to be huge. God forbid, if we need Chase Daniel going in there, it's not going to be a Matt Barkley or somebody that we've never heard of coming off the bench who really doesn't even deserve to be on the roster.
0: Yeah, there was a lot of criticism on you know social media and stuff of like you know I think the stat they point out is that like Chase Daniel has thrown three passes and the Bears gave him ten million dollars, but you know three those three passes have come. With Matt Nagy as his quarterbacks coach, I mean he's worked with him in Philadelphia and Kansas City. So if there's any coach in the NFL that knows what Chase Daniels can bring to an offense, it's Matt Nagy. And Ryan Pace was around him in New Orleans. So if there's any GM that knows what Chase Daniel can do, it's Ryan Pace. So you know I think there's some reason to be optimistic there, and really. I think the main reason he's here is because he knows the offense. Right. And he can tell – I mean, it's right now the people that know the Bears' offense are Matt Nagy, Brad Childress, and Chase Daniel, (laughs) and a little bit of Trey Burton because it's a similar offense with the Eagles. But they need players and coaches on this roster that can help the rest of the team learn it. And to have a quarterback in that room that already knows the offense, it's played in it for multiple years, that's going to be so valuable to Mitchell Trubisky, sort of like in that Mark Sanchez role. But Chase Daniel can step on the field, and in theory – keep your team afloat if you need them on to win a game.
1: Right. And, you know, it could end up being huge uh, for us. Hopefully it's a safety net. We don't need to dabble into, but I feel better having him in that spot than, you know, say, you know, keeping Mike Glennon at a discounted rate because, you know, you know, he was here last year. He helped Trubisky along and, uh, and so forth. I prefer, you know, like you said, Daniel knows the offense. He can help Trubisky there. And, you know, he can keep the team afloat, God forbid, if we need him to.
0: Yeah, never was there so much clamor, I think, about a backup quarterback signing with the Bears, but there's just something about Chase Daniel, and I think once he gets the opportunity to really go on the field, I mean, hopefully it's not in Chicago, but I think someday we'll maybe get a better understanding of just how good Chase Daniel is or isn't at the quarterback position, but I don't think there's a single team in the NFL that he is providing more value for than the Bears.
1: Right, (laughs) right. So, on to the defensive side where, you know, the Bears didn't really go out and break the bank for anybody. Um, you and I talked about it uh, during the year in review uh, episode back in January. The, the Kyle Fuller, um, I think we both agreed that the, the franchise deal was probably the best move that the Bears should make there um, or the only move uh, that they should make. Instead, they transition tagged him, which left him open to negotiate contracts uh, with other teams. Signs the offer sheet with Green Bay. The Bears hurriedly match it, signing him to a four-year deal worth $56 million. Your thoughts. I think it kind of played out how the Bears
0: thought it would. Hmm. And really, I think the biggest takeaway for me was just the contract that Green Bay stuck on Kyle Fuller. It's kind of annoying for the Bears. I mean, I think Green Bay kind of knew the Bears were going to match unless they really broke the bank on Kyle Fuller. And I think it was essentially a market value deal, but because they put that $18 million as a signing bonus, it's spread out as a cap hit over the four years. And whenever you release the player, uh, all that cap hit jumps up to the current year. So they're they're locked into Kyle Fuller for two years, even though the guaranteed money is barely a year and a half worth of salary. They're locked in from a financial standpoint for two years and really – pretty much locked in for three years although you know the third year becomes a little bit iffy I think they would pay like 17 million dollars if they keep him and they'd owe him like nine million dollars of dead money if they released him you know it's just a contract that didn't give the Bears much salary cap flexibility if Fuller doesn't live up to the financial value but I mean that's sort of the I guess worst case scenario situation there Fuller's back in a Bears uniform The, the the Bears wanted him back. Fangio and him seem to have their relationship repaired. They've kind of brought back this whole secondary, and let's see if the kid can follow it up. I mean, I'm not, I'm not ready to to really commit one way or another on him. I, I, he had a great year, but maybe there were some times when it wasn't as stellar as some people might think, and some ups and downs there. That? So I guess I'm a little bit weary about mm-hmm. being locked into him for so long. But that was sort of how the market played out, and. I think it was a worthwhile tag for Ryan Pace.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I mean, we had to tag him one way or the other. Uh, I think, and um, it's just that um, it, what's funny or ironic, if you want to break down year by year, it's basically fourteen million dollars a year. When the, when the tag would have been what fourteen point five or something like that, then why don't we just tag him and make him make him make us sign him to a big deal as opposed to what ended up shaking out. I mean, I wasn't really a fan of the whole transition tag thing and and, and everything because the difference between the two was about a million-plus dollars between the transition tag and the the franchise, and the franchise is exclusive. He's with us or he's with no one, and, uh, you know, he's got to play one more year. He gets paid as one of the top guys in the league, so he does make some money. It's all guaranteed, and, you know, he has to prove that 2017 was a fluke, and if it was a fluke, then – the Bears paid him big money for one year, and then he gets to move on and do whatever the hell he wants with the rest of his life.
0: Well, and I think it's tough because I, I, I kind of imagine the the Bears and Fuller being kind of far apart on the financial value of, you know, I th- I'm sure Fuller was trying to get $15, $16 million like a top-paid cornerback in the NFL. And the Bears might be down more in the $12 million range. So the tag at least lets Ryan Pace say, okay, Kyle, let's go see what the market can give. And if... The Bears didn't, if they didn't want to pay Kyle Fuller sixteen million dollars a year, but another team would. You know, I could easily see the Bears have saying, "Okay, you're right. That's what you're worth. Go ahead, and take the contract. We'll look elsewhere." And you know, when he comes back at, at fourteen million a year, I think the Bears can kind of sit there and say, "Okay, it's a good compromise. We'll we'll, we'll sit like that and we'll we'll be comfortable with a, a couple years of paying you like that." You know, he drafted here and developed here, and they want him back. And at the end of the day a couple million dollars in either direction isn't going to make that big of an impact on the salary cap. You're already in the double digit millions or what would that be seven, eight digits. So eight, it, yeah. it's, once, once you're, yeah, you know, once you're moving by another million here or there in the, in the grand scheme, of the salary cap, it's not going to be that big of a difference.
1: Well, I mean, I think you mentioned there about market value and the, what Fuller was asking for and what the bears are offering. I think we can get a window into that. Like this week, uh, there's past week or so, surface that the bears actually did reach out to malcolm butler and offer him a deal but they were only number one they were only offering three years when he got five from tennessee the bears were offering 10 and he got 12 uh from the titans so i mean if i would honestly i would have preferred a malcolm butler over a kyle fuller myself but um you know the bears weren't bringing it with the money so he went to tennessee for a little bit more but still less than we would have than we ended up paying kyle fuller yeah, and
0: Butler's tough cuz you know, you don't know the exact situation of what happened with the Super Bowl and, and right. what kind of off the field stuff's going there, but you know, a similar type of playmaker with with ball skills on the ball and maybe Butler is a bit more proven over the last couple of years, so I kind of agree with you there that if I could have got Butler at that 10 million dollar price or you know, even 11 or 12, I w- wouldn't have done 5 years for him, but you know, if you could get him as a as a cheaper Kyle Fuller Maybe the ceiling isn't quite there, but uh, I will take the consistency over the last few years. And, you know, the, the Titans obviously had some intel from the Patriots because their head coach, I can't even think of his name right now. The, Vrabel. the former Patriots. Yeah, Mike Vrabel. You know, he's got some. He's got the connections to New England, so he probably knew what was going on a little bit more than Ryan Pace did. And hey, he paid up for it, and, and the Bears went and got Fuller back and Prince of Mucamara and got the right. same
1: secondary. So we got Mukamura back. That was the next guy we were going to talk about. The guy finally has a home. For the second, has the same home for the second year in a row. In this, like what the first time in three years, because he was with the Giants. Then he spent a year in Jacksonville. Then he moved on to the to the Bears. So three teams in three years. So he finally is, is going to be anchored down for a year or two. And um, you know, not much for interceptions. He got exactly zero for the Bears last year. But again, we mentioned the consistency. Not only was he more consistently healthy than he had been the last couple of years, but he was more consistent in coverage and being productive for the Bears on the field.
0: Yeah, Mukamara's never been a big turnover generator. And I think he had three like a handful of years ago in one year, but he's always kind of been that that press man mirror type cornerback that isn't always looking back at the ball. He's just trying to lock down his side of the field. And, you know, I I respect the consistency there, but I, I have a little bit of concern about this contract, only because really the first two years are fully guaranteed. And this guy, you know, as much as he was as much as he was healthier this past year. He still is a guy that hasn't played a full 16 game season since 2013. And, right. you know, we got 14 this year and, and 14, I believe, the previous year in Jacksonville. But, you know, I, I'm just weary of guys, and maybe it's not even something that he does and it's not necessarily his fault, but I'm just weary that he hasn't played that 16 game season and, and you're stuck in two years for that. So if we get a half year this year and a half year next year, You're really stuck foot in the bill. You know, if he can stay healthy, I'm perfectly fine with the contract. But like I said, not not a 16 game season since 2013, and I'm I'm not ready to invest big guaranteed money like that into a guy that isn't necessarily always going to be on the field.
1: Right, and in a position where we've done more subtracting than additions uh, this year, that being pass rusher, outside linebacker, defensive end, whatever you want to call it, uh, in this uh, offense or excuse me, defense of Fangio's. We go out and we get one of Fangio's former guys uh, from San Francisco, a guy that really hasn't been as productive since he left or f- since Fangio left him, uh, we should say. an Aaron Lynch, only a one-year deal, only four million dollars, not going to kill the Bears. He's got he got that one-year prove-it deal, um, and he gets reunited with the guy that was calling the plays when he was playing his best football. Yeah,
0: Lynch is a, a real subtly strong signing, and he kind of fit in this free agent class of sort of like predictable signings you know like everyone kind of was talking about alan robinson or sammy watkins and everyone was talking about trey burton to the bears and chase daniel was kind of the backup quarterback that had all the connections and you know there were a lot of these guys that you kind of could start to connect the dots to the bears and, and a few days later they go out Nick lynch as that sort of high upside he said his best years were with fangio and kind of since then He's had the off-the-field problems, and I think at one point his weight was up to like 280 pounds, and you know trying to stay in shape for a football season was not. Maybe this type of financial motivation, plus a change of scenery, uh, reuniting with his coach, it's kind of all adding up here to putting the right scenario for him to get back on track. You know Maybe he's not going to be a 10-sack guy, but certainly a, a solid rotational player, especially if they can add another pass rusher in the draft. You can feel pretty comfortable with Floyd, Lynch and a rookie trying to get a, a decent pass rush on the outside.
1: And then the, the, the signing that I liked, uh, if for no other reason than the fact that I think it helps keep morale up in the, the locker room, Sam Acho. Talk about a guy who earned the extra money that he got in the offseason, kind of forced into duty last year because our, off, our outside linebackers were spending more time on the sidelines in street clothes than they were on the field uh, in a uniform. You know, Sam Acho went from a a veteran minimum guy to two years and five point five million because he, with whether you realize it or not, Acho started twelve games for the Bears last year. Yeah, he's always just been such a consistent guy, not yeah. only on
0: defense but contributing on special teams. You know, you know he's not a a bookend pass rusher, your, your, your go to third down get after the quarterback type guy, but kind of quietly. He had one of his strongest years as a pass rusher. You know, he he didn't necessarily have big sack numbers, but I was looking at his PFF stats, and they track quarterback hits, and he was, like, up in the top seven or, or top ten of all pass rushers this year with 12 hits. I mean, there were 12 times when he's a step away from getting that sack, and he's getting the quarterback to the ground and four of those came against the Browns, so you know you can kind of take it for what it is, but he, he started to add more of that pass rushing to his game. We know how reliable he is against the run. He can set the edge and just kind of hold his ground, and he's a guy that's always been known for dropping back in coverage. Just sort of you you're do it all and great at anything, but he's not bad in any area of this game. He's one of those nice kind of fabric rotational guys that you just need on the roster, and like you said, a, a nice fit in the locker room.
1: Absolutely. I mean, this is a guy that was wanting you know, was a, a Walter Payton man of the year, uh, a candidate. So you know this is a guy that, uh, you know, gets it done off the field as well as he does on the field. And, I, have, you know, I've never heard anything but positive things said about Sam, Sam Acho uh, when it comes to, you know, in the locker room and, and uh, you know, being that guy that pretty much gets along with everybody on the team.
0: Yeah, and especially when you have, you know, it's not as important for the defense with Vic Fangio coming back, but especially when you have – at least a philosophy change above them that they're they're trying to be Matt Nagy's identity now, not John Fox's identity. And you need guys that are going to be in the locker room. They're going to buy in. They're going to be the positive voices. And in theory, Sam Matro is going to be that guy. Like it wasn't the story that when he or, or like the day before, while his agent was negotiating his contract, he was touring a prison with George McCaskey. Or, you know, like, like he was he clearly invested in this team and, and works with the ownership and is active in the community and all, all this good stuff. He's just just a
1: good guy to have on
0: your football team.
1: And it's funny. Chicago is one of those markets where people just seem to fit. Like they come into Chicago and then Chicago becomes the rest of their life. Like and Like and I follow Desmond Clark on Facebook. The guy played with the Broncos. He had good years in Denver, but he comes to Chicago and he'll never leave Chicago again. Uh, in his life, I mean, a lot of the guys from the '85 Bears still live in Chicago because why on God's green earth would they ever leave? You know, Chicago <laughs> and things like that. I mean, I remember. I mean, just as like Eric Caros played all those years for the for the LA Dodgers. I know we're talking about baseball here for a second, but you know that one year that he played for the Cubs in 03 when they almost went to the World Series and everything was, for him, one of the best years in baseball in his life because it was Wrigley Field, because it was the Cubs, because they were winning, and Chicago was showing the love. And it's just, you know, Sam Ochoa one of those guys that he'll be in Chicago until he dies because he found his home. Yeah, I'd probably put Kyle Long in there too, don't you Yeah, play? absolutely. Yeah, and uh, you know what? And Akeem Hicks. Talk about a guy that was meant to be a bear. You know, I just uh, kind of felt like that way about him as soon as I saw him play uh for the first time and uh to see him be able to 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 make his coin and stay in chicago um you know he and long i think are definitely chicagoans for 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 the long haul
0: well and alan robinson at his introductory press conference said he wants to retire a bear and right is i don't remember if he have a cubs jersey on or a white Sox jersey on in that picture cubs that is, thank god he's a so, I mean, he is a he seems to be a pretty through-and-through through Chicago guy. Assuming his level of play continues at a high level, I have a feeling he could be added to that mix in a couple of years here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think so, too. Um, we signed a third-string quarterback and Tyler Bray, another guy that from Kansas City has familiarity with Matt Nagy. Uh, we, we added some depth to the offensive line, Earl Watford. That was just yesterday that we signed him just to a one-year deal. Uh, Pat O'Donnell is coming back one year 1.5 million and um, oh yeah why the hell did we re-sign Marcus Cooper would you explain that one to me yeah I'm, I'm
0: struggling a little bit with that one I really am I mean I, I guess he knows the system and Vic might still believe in him and now he's a lot cheaper and yeah. maybe that big incident last year kind of humbled him that Ugh. maybe he came into Chicago last year with that big contract with an opening at the cornerback position and, and sort of You know, it kind of felt like he was handed a starting job. Yeah. And maybe that went to his head a little bit. I mean, I've never met the guy. I've never talked to the guy. But, you know, just judging on the way he kind of played and acted, maybe this year of of getting that high and then crashing back down a little bit, maybe he comes into Chicago on a one-year deal next year, a little bit more motivated. Again, maybe the defensive coordinator and DB's coach are on his side. He's obviously not going to compete to start anymore, but he can compete on special teams. Maybe rotate in somewhere in the, in the cornerback rotation, come in on dime situations, and at least provide a guy. If Prince Amukamara gets hurt again, or if Kyle Fuller gets hurt again, I would feel more comfortable plugging Marcus Cooper in. At least, or at least maybe there's some better upside there than trying to get a, a free agent veteran off the street, or maybe someone like Sherrick McManus or, or Cravon LeBlanc or something.
1: Right, and, and and to me the only thing that makes sense is that the Bears were hedging their bets in case they couldn't re-sign Bryce Callahan. That was really the only thing that kind of jumped out at me when I saw we were bringing Marcus Cooper back. I mean, especially with all the talk about, I mean, we'll talk about this towards towards the end when we wrap up here, about the draft and, and what the Bears might do because the bear the, the people that the, the Bears might want to target might not be there at eight even with all these quarterbacks going in in the first four or five picks. Uh, or what have you Maybe it'll be a Denzel Ward Instead of, uh, you know, Nelson or, or Chubb or, you know, Barkley Or whatever, you know, once the quarterback Thing gets all sorted out But, you know, I, I just didn't Like, why would we bring him back There isn't a Bear fan on the planet that was like Oh yeah, that was a good idea, bring Marcus Cooper back There, There wasn't one after he burned that bridge and against Pittsburgh, no one would you know, no one was sad. Number one to hear that he got cut, and no one was happy to hear that he got re-signed. Yeah, and I was just pulling up his special team stuff from this last year, and it looks like he's on the you
0: know the kickoff coverage team and the punt return team as a blocker, and I think on the field goal team as well. So he can be you know your three phase special teams guy if he sticks on the bottom of the fifty three man roster. But it does kind of feel like in all reality. You know, if you're if you're looking ahead already at a 53-man roster, Amukamara, Fuller, Callahan, McManus, and then maybe it's Cooper and LeBlanc for that number five cornerback. And then if they add more, I mean, you know, so you know, there's not even a guarantee that he makes the roster. But again, maybe he's motivated. He can compete compete on special teams, and he has starting experience. I get it. It's the, what is it? It's the evil you know, rather than the unknown. Right. I know there's an expression there, and the I don't remember you know. what it is. But the yeah, devil the devil you know. that you know. Yeah, sure.
1: You know, and, and, and you the way that you were mentioning it there, you know, he you, you sounded a lot like a guy that uh, we just signed to a four-year, $56 million contract. You know, he's probably not going to make the roster. If he does, he'll be on the bottom. Maybe he can add some depth or, you know, so on and so forth. So he could be, knock on wood, uh, this year's Kyle Fuller, God forbid. So... I don't know. Maybe getting a second <laughs> chance there. Who knows? But yeah, you, um, you never
0: know. Again, like a Prince of Mukamar injury and Marcus Cooper is the comeback story. We'll see.
1: Yeah. Why not? You know, just let's try to be optimistic about this instead of sitting here scratching my head the way that I have been since we actually did it. So, yeah. Um, say we got
0: plenty of pessimism in, in probably the last 12 to 16 months, you know, before today. Right.
1: <laughs> so, um,. Then we had three guys that were tendered so uh, that, you know, the the Bears have an an opportunity to match uh, any contract that they're signed. The wide receiver Cam Meredith, cornerback Bryce Callahan, we mentioned a minute ago, wide receiver Josh Bellamy, who actually did sign his tender. You said today, right? Yeah. Okay. So Bellamy is signed to be back with the Bears this year. But Cameron Meredith has kind of been on this tour of teams of wide receiver needy teams, he's he's been to see the Colts. He went out to see the Ravens. He's gone to the New Orleans Saints, uh, you know, trying to find a deal for the Bears to have to match. And so far, uh, nothing. He's only got a couple weeks left to figure it out. Uh, you ultimately think he'll be back, though, right? Yeah, I don't really have many concerns that
0: Meredith is going to go anywhere. I mean, I think people were upset that he didn't get a, a higher tender, and agree. I, I understand that, I guess. But the it's similar to the Kyle Fuller situation in the sense that. It's pretty likely that the Bears wants and you know, maybe they'd like to sign long term, but he kind of wants either a nice long term deal now or the ability to play on a one year deal, produce at a high level again and hit the free agent market next year. So he's probably chatting around, seeing if other teams will give him a nice long term deal that he could be happy with. But I think if a team offers him, you know, a couple million a year, you know, three, four, five, even six million a year over a couple years. I think the Bears would be happy to match that, especially if they're confident he can still be an 800-yard receiver. I mean, if he's going to get a contract, and I, I can't imagine a team's going to pay him coming off one year of production and an ACL tear. can't imagine a team's going to pay him any more than like what Taylor Gabriel got. So right. you know, I think the Bears feel like no one's going to give him a, a mega offer, and if they give him a, a smaller offer, they'll be happy to match it and lock up a player long-term now rather than having to have him produce again and have a much higher price tag next year.
1: Right. And then finally, uh, before we get into some other stuff, um, I, I wrote down a list of, just it's only three names on it, but extension candidates. Guys uh, coming into the final year of their rookie deals or guys that have played well uh, you know, from the beginning. And the three guys on my list are Eddie Goldman, whose contract expires after this season. Adrian Amos, also expiring after 2018 and Cody White here, who has two years left on his deal. Do you see anything happening with any of those guys?
0: Well, Ryan Pace said, uh, I think at the combine, that they were exploring deals with Amos and Goldman. I I think it's much more likely that Goldman gets locked up pretty regularly this offseason. I I wonder if with Adrian, you know, we don't know really what happened last year and and into this offseason as far as why he wasn't necessarily... Respected coming in, I mean, he was coming on on the bench and seemed to take to that role and and accept it and work hard at it. Then he gets the chance to take over for Quinton uh, Dempson, certainly runs away with it. But now we're kind of back looking at one year here of super high quality safety play, and and I felt like he was a guy that when he played as a rookie, he maybe got a little bit overrated because he was a 16 game starter as a fifth round pick, and so as a fifth round pick, he did great, but compared to other starting safeties, maybe not quite as much. So then year two, when he plays at a similar level and doesn't take that next step, maybe then it feels like more of a disappointment. Comes back this year, takes that next step, but is he truly going to continue to play at such a high level? Is there volatility? Is there risk that he might take another step back? And I could just see the Bears maybe wanting to wait this one out, give him one more year to kind of prove that he is – A Sure thing at safety and at the same time see for sure if Eddie Jackson is what he looked like We we got one year of high quality play from Eddie Jackson and it's easy to get excited about that in the future But is he gonna have that sophomore slump? Is he gonna take a step back? Is he gonna take a step forward? You know if Eddie Goldman or I mean if if Eddie Jackson has another huge year Then maybe the Bears are a little bit less inclined to have to pay Adrian Amos because you feel like you have another safety but if Eddie Jackson struggles again Maybe they're more inclined to say, "Let's give Adrian Amos this contract, lock down one position, and then add some competition for Jackson." So I, I think Eddie Jackson's play might end up influencing what happens with Adrian Amos. But who knows? They might get the deal done before training camp and eliminate all that.
1: Well, I, th- you know, as as we move uh, here to to start to wrap things up, you know, I, we talk about Adrian Amos and how it may hinge on Eddie Jackson. How much do you think it might hinge on the fact that uh, Minka Fitzpatrick might be sitting there at eight? When the Bears are picking,
0: I, I'm I'm a little bit torn on these defensive backs, and <laughs> okay. especially a guy like Minka Fitzpatrick because when you have guys like this that played a little bit of everywhere in college, right, it concerns me coming to the NFL because they never had that opportunity to really master one thing, and I you know I think Minka Fitzpatrick's going to be a solid NFL player, but if you're bringing him into Chicago. I think you're playing him at slot cornerback in year one I think I mean he he could I think he could be a great safety in the NFL but just based on where the Bears have a need and where I might want to just get Minka Fitzpatrick solidified at one position put him in the slot he's essentially a starter because you play so much in your nickel package anyway Mm -hmm. and then down the line maybe consider moving him elsewhere but you know, I, I don't know if, if I would pencil in Minka Fitzpatrick right away as a starting safety, and I even question similarly about even, like, Derwin James, that, you know, James is maybe more of a traditional safety type player, but because he's so big and because he's so good in the box, I mean, I, I really consider playing him at, like, a linebacker position, that, like, maybe with Derwin James, you know, you have Nick Kwiatkowski play linebacker on first down and, and in running situations, but as soon as you hit nickel, man, I'd be real tempted to put Derwin James in that linebacker. You can still keep Amos and Eddie Jackson on the field and maybe put Kowski off the field where he isn't as strong in coverage as he is against the run, and you just find a way to get all your playmakers on the field. I think with any of these defensive backs, it's just more weapons in the secondary for Fangio to rotate around, and you know it could influence Adrian Amos, yes, but I'm not so sure that any of these picks would be a direct competition for his job.
1: So best-case scenario, draft night, what are you you looking for the Bears to do at 8?
0: You know, I think right now best-case scenario for me is Quinton Nelson, and that's only because they didn't properly address the guard position. I'm still here scratching my head as to why Josh Sitton is playing for the Miami Dolphins at pretty much a similar contract price than the Bears could have had him for. still feel like there's something there behind the scenes, off the field, that we don't know about Josh Sitton because he still played at a very high level last year and the Bears still have a huge gaping hole at left guard. And if the priority is to protect your quarterback and have the most effective offense for Mitchell Trubisky, offensive line is number one for me. I, I would have rather have invested in the offensive line than wide receivers. I, w- I want my quarterback to be able to get it to his weapons. You know, Having having Allen Robinson is great, but if he's got you know Muhammad Wilkerson in green and Sheldon Richardson in Minnesota, coming right up at the middle at him is he going to have time for these plays to develop downfield that left guard spot is a huge hole I don't get why Josh Sitton was released and I think right now Quentin Nelson goes there for me just because they've kind of put themselves in that position where they have to I mean I think Nelson is a phenomenal player and is probably one of the best two three players in the NFL draft so it's not a travesty that the Bears have to sort of take a need player he is right up there as best player available but I think in an ideal world I would have addressed the guard position in free agency so I could take Bradley Chubb and make my pass rush better. Or I could take a defensive back and really have a a secondary that's five deep with young playmakers. But instead, you're kind of sitting here feeling like you have to take a position of need that just happens to match up with BPA.
1: Right. So I've been hearing today, and I'm sure you probably already know where I'm going with this, um, Jordan Howard deleted every picture on his Instagram account that had anything to do with the Chicago Bears. Um, There have been some kind of rumors swirling about how he might not be a fit in Nagy's offense or or anything like that. I mean, you know, and of course, when the Jarvis Landry, uh, you know, cake was cooking, there was also some talk about how he would be part of a trade with the Dolphins to get Jarvis Landry in a Bear uniform. I mean, What's what's going on with this Jordan Howard situation? I mean, is this much to do about nothing, or are the Bears actually thinking about moving moving on? It's hard for me to
0: get a good indicator on this. I mean, personally, I think the, the, the fit issues and the receiving problems with Jordan Howard are a little bit overblown on the outside. I, I don't think that's as critical of a thing for the Bears' offense as people might like to think. But at the same time, I, I can't get a good Good feel for whether there's any legs to this or whether Ryan Pace is interested in moving him. I mean, it see, it feels dumb, right? Like it feels to, to me like if you have this great running back that can get 1,100, 1,300 yards and what do he have, nine touchdowns? Or what, how many touchdowns did he have last year, like six or eight or nine? Something if like that, have, yeah. You have a proven NFL running back that's been durable, He was a warrior. You remember at the beginning of last year, I think it was the Steelers game, he kept having that recurring shoulder injury. That injury never went away. People just stopped talking about it. And he played through the entire season with a shoulder injury, still running as physical and as hard as Jordan Howard runs. I mean, he embodies a workhorse Chicago Bears running back. And to me, you don't just get rid of that for the sake of getting rid of that. You know, like if, if Saquon Barkley is the Bears pick at eight, then okay, then I that's when the trade rumors start. but to just trade him out of nowhere without a very clear replacement plan in place, that to me makes no sense. I mean, Tariq Cohen cannot be your every down running back and you have Benny Cunningham back and Taquan Mizel and you know you can still add one in the draft, but until you have that plan in place, you're just getting rid of Jordan Howard for the sake of getting rid of Jordan Howard. He's he's not expensive. He's a talented player. It just doesn't add up for me.
1: Yeah, cuz we're still 2 years away from having to pay him. You know, he's he's still on his rookie contract as a 5th round pick. I mean, I was uh, online looking at at the the Bears contracts and everything getting ready for the show and I noticed that um Cohen, Tariq Cohen makes more money than Jordan Howard. i was like, how is that possible? <laughs> it's like because Cohen was a fourth round pick, and Howard was a fifth rounder. That's why he makes about a hundred grand more a year than than Jordan Howard does, even though he's a backup utility guy, and Jordan Howard is our workhorse. He's he's getting paid as a fifth round pick, you know, making about six or seven hundred thousand dollars a year. But granted, nowhere near what a guy like his contract may be two years from now when his rookie deal is up. Yeah, it, like I said, I just don't. I, I cannot point to a logical
0: reason as to why the Bears would be better off getting rid of Jordan Howard right now than keeping him. I mean, I, I understand that maybe down the line you, you get rid of him, but you, your team does not get better today. Right. Trading, I mean, okay, it gets better if you trade him and get something decent in return. But, it, it, you know, I, I feel like Jordan Howard, the value of running backs on the open market right now, they're a dime a dozen. And so I I understand that, yes, you can find other running backs to replace Jordan Howard, but that also means that other teams aren't going to want to pay a boatload to get this running back from you because there are other running backs out there. He's just more valuable to the Bears right now. And Matt Nagy talks all the time about making players play to their strengths and adjusting the scheme to the players and, and finding the ways to put their guys in the best position to be successful. So then why all of a sudden are we saying Jordan Howard doesn't fit Matt Nagy's scheme? When all Matt Nagy keeps saying is we're going to adjust our scheme to our players.
1: Right. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm not a fan of, of these rumors. Um, I wasn't really paying any, any attention to them until the whole Jordan Howard deleting anything having to do with the Chicago bears from his Instagram account. It's kind of ominous to hear that a player did something like that.
0: Yeah. And I mean, he hasn't changed anything about his Twitter account and I, he hasn't, He has never put that he plays for the Bears in his Twitter bio. And I I think a lot of this is sort of reading way too much into social media nowadays. But, you know, he's retweeted things from the Bears account. And I think he just had some kind of endorsement meet and greet thing with like Verizon or somebody in Chicago like a couple of days ago. And I think people have been saying on Twitter that those Instagram pictures were deleted like five or four or five days ago. And I believe Jordan Howard reported to the team's first meeting your off-season program thing now so I mean it's not any kind of holdout or right. you know disgruntled player who's being shopped he I, I don't know it's it's a weird hard to explain thing and maybe he'll claim he's hacked tomorrow even though maybe there was more truth to it or something <laughs> you know that that's how this always ends
1: right absolutely so you know th- there it is you know in in a, in a nutshell you know the off-season um it's it's been exciting, you know, the Bears adding some adding some some quality players, some players that could have, you know, huge impacts for the offense. It's nice to see the Bears going out and adding to the to an area of need, actually doing what Ryan Pace said in his opening manifesto in his in in his introductory press conference. I've said a thousand times on the show that he said famously free agency is a tool to use so that you can draft the best player available you know when the nfl draft comes along and this this offseason looks like that's what he was trying to do you know whereas in the beginning of the offseason everyone was saddling the bears with calvin ridley or or maybe getting a courtland sutton or somebody like that uh in the first round, now going in, Alan Robinson, a Taylor Gabriel, a Trey Burton. Now, all of a sudden, it's turned to Quentin Nelson. Maybe, maybe Bradley Chubb falls to us. Maybe we get our hands on a, on a, on a cornerback because we haven't done much against for the defense as far as adding people, there and, and whatnot. It's it's just more exciting to see the Bears actually adding to where we as a fan base agree the Bears need to add to.
0: Yeah, and I think what Ryan Pace has done is kind of telling us about what, how he feels about the strengths of this draft class. You know, he kind of leaves some openings here on the offensive line. There's a lot of strengths in this draft class. There's some depth and some quality starting quality starting caliber talent in the second and even third days of this draft on the interior. So maybe he feels more comfortable there. doesn't sign a true linebacker to replace Jarrell Freeman, who technically is still on the Chicago Bears roster? Daryl Freeman has not been released up to this point, and it's mostly because he's coming off an injury. They don't want to release him and have him kind of fight back and try and get some injury compensation. So there's, he's going to be released eventually, but just not yet. But this is a deep linebacker class as well, so kind of leaves that that opening there. You know, maybe would have liked to see him do a little bit more at edge rusher because there's not as much depth in that class. But you know, we, we're kind of seeing, generally speaking that the weaker areas on the Bears roster corresponding with deeper areas of the NFL draft. And, you know, I think we'll see Ryan Pace end up filling some needs, even, even as, as he kind of claims these players are still best player available. Like he trades up for Eddie Jackson last year when they need a young safety, but he's trading up for the best player available on his board, but it was out of position to need. So there's, there's sort of a, a, blurry line between BPA and need when you get later in the draft. And I think Ryan Pace is in a pretty good position to fill a lot of holes that still remain.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to the draft to seeing what happens there. Um, I was listening to locked on bears earlier this week and, and you were talking about potential trade partners, uh, you know, for the bears. I mean, I don't know if, if the bears are going to be in a good enough position sitting at eight to, to have it. You know, I, I don't. I mean, do you see one of those quarterbacks falling to, to falling down so that maybe a, a Buffalo or somebody who's got two picks later in the first round that uh, you know could entice the Bears to come down so they can go and get their guy?
0: I'm not necessarily sure. I mean, I, I think a couple quarterbacks might slip through the cracks, but the question becomes whether or not a team wants to move to eight. When you know, I think Miami picks at eleven, Buffalo picks at twelve. And I think Arizona is like fourteen, fifteen, or sixteen 15, in that range. 15, so
1: yeah, fifteen. So
0: if they're if they're trying to jump Miami and Buffalo, they need to go all the way up to eight. You know, I, I think what we could see still is if one of these top defensive playmakers is on the board. If it's maybe not Bradley Chubb, I think the Bears might go there. But even if if Ryan Pace isn't sold on, you know, the linebackers, Roquan Smith and Tremaine Edmonds. Two athletic freaks at the position, sort of this next level evolution of linebacker that should be able to cover, you know, all the athletic tight ends and do everything that the future of the NFL is going to need them to. Or even, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick, Denzel Ward, Derwin James. If one of these top playmakers on defense is still on the board, I'm not so I'm not so sure we couldn't see a team make the trade up for a non-quarterback. That I think we get so caught up in in the quarterback stuff and we look past some of the other talent in this draft. You know, a team like Green Bay is sitting there with pick 14 and they have the most draft picks of any team in this draft. They have 12 and they have really big needs in the secondary. And so if they feel like, you know, the Raiders at nine or the 49ers at 10 or I think it's 49ers at nine Raiders at 10 or even the Dolphins at 11. If they go defensive back and maybe one of these playmakers is the guy that they covet a new GM in Green Bay ready to move up. They have draft picks to expend. They want to make sure they get Minka Fitzpatrick to be in their secondary, or they want to make sure they get their number one cornerback. You know, you could see a team like that just give the Bears a a third round pick to move up a handful of slots. The Packers have two or three of them this year. It's not going to hurt them that much. There's always different ways for the Bears to to make trades, and I wouldn't even put pace or put it past pace to jump up to six or even five to try and get pa- get past the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are probably going to take Quinton Nelson or Bradley Chubb. Whichever yeah. one's on the board,
1: yeah. So I mean, and that's that's the only thing that worries me about what we're going to give up to move up. Um, if if that's what Pace, you know, has it in his heart to do, because he's he he. As far as the first round is concerned, he's only trading up. He's only trading up. He's not trading down. Like when you get in the second round and beyond, he'll trade down and acquire as many picks as he can get his hands on. But in in recent memory, if if Pace has got a guy that he wants, he's going to trade up. You know, draft capital be damned.
0: Yeah, one way or another, he he seems to like to. You know, when he does make that move up, then you see the corresponding moves in the later rounds to to recoup those picks. Like right. last year with Trubisky, traded down was it twice to still land Adam Shaheen or no? It was twice to still land Cody Whitehair two yeah. drafts ago right. after he had traded up for Leonard Floyd. But last year traded down in the fourth round to get Shaheen and then traded up in the fourth or traded down the second round, excuse me, for Shaheen, traded up in the fourth for Eddie Jackson, and had given up one of the picks that he got for Shaheen to move up for Jackson. And one way or another, he seems to do a good job of kind of recouping picks and still getting the guys that he's high on. So he does seem to have a pretty good feel for how other teams are going to draft. And I don't know, maybe this could be the year he dips his toes in trading down in the first round, Still has to recoup that third round pick he traded from last year.
1: Right?
0: Maybe maybe he likes the depth of this class. There's there's not as much of these. You know you know like when we get past Nelson and Chubb, you have this mix of opinions on who's really next. So if Pace isn't sold on any of these other guys being top ten talents, maybe maybe he does look to move down. But one way or another, he's going to get the guy that he has conviction on. And whether that that whether that means moving up, moving down, or staying at eight, he's going to go get him.
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. the The first round of the the first round, night one of of the draft is going to be, it's going to be interesting because I mean, there's there's rumors swirling today. I'm sure you've heard about the, you know, the the Giants possibly giving up the second round pick to somebody, which I think would be foolish on their part to not take a quarterback uh, with Eli Manning, you know, waning and uh, the new head coach not getting his own, the new, uh, you know, getting his own quarterback to groom, especially that guy Pat Shermer, the guy that we wanted uh he's the quarter he's the coach out there now let him go out and get his quarterback and let him let Eli nurse him uh along the way uh number four is definitely the hot spot where people are expecting a move to be made because that's the second first round pick that the Browns have they have number one and number four uh in the first round and then it's like well the Broncos signed um what's his name Keenum Case Keenum at five, So maybe they're open to a trade if nobody's there, you know, uh, they, maybe if they're not sold on on who's left at that point. Uh, the Colts aren't going to take a quarterback, so they'd probably be open to another deal. Even they got a king's ransom from the Jets to move down uh, three spots and uh, and so on and so forth. It kind of trickles down from there to kind of see what the Bears might end up doing and what happens in front of the Bears in that frantic spot where people are going to be just doing stupid things to get their hands on the quarterback that they're settling for in most cases. Let me throw one
0: scenario back at you and see what you think here because, you know, everybody likes to get in on these trade rumors. So how would you feel about some kind of package, the eighth overall pick, and, and heck, Jordan Howard and the eighth overall pick And maybe you throw in something else for Odell Beckham from New York. Uh,
1: (laughs) I mean, Odell Beckham, the player. Absolutely. Odell Beckham, the guy, not a chance. I I don't want that guy. I don't want him. I don't like him. I I honestly don't. I mean, his awesome Super Bowl commercial with Eli Manning doing the dirty dancing routine aside, not a fan of Odell Beckham the guy you know he, he's just uh he's a clown and I, I don't want him on the team uh the Odo Beckham the wide receiver if he just shuts up and play football absolutely I'm, I'm up for a move uh of, of that uh of that caliber but um overall I you know as a as a I probably would say no just on principle because I'm not a fan of the player himself I see I question how much Ben McAdoo had to do with
0: falling apart with Odell. I mean, the, the New York Giants were quite a bit of a mess. Yeah, and, they were. That's you, true. You know, it, it reminded me a little bit of the Mark Tresman Bears, where it, it certainly made a lot of guys look bad. That were in that locker room. I mean, even you know Brandon Marshall, as much as he's had a past before, you know, he looked a lot worse when when Mark Tresman was there. And, and you know, there's been a lot of other stretches when a guy like Brandon Marshall is playing on a winning team and getting production and. You don't really hear from him, and he's a 1,500-yard a receiver. So I I, you know, I think if, if I'm Ryan Payson, I feel like Matt Nagy has control of that locker room, and maybe they have you know some kind of connection somewhere to get some inside dirt on what really went down with Odell Beckham. I'd consider it, but I don't feel good about giving up Jordan Howard, and I don't think the Bears have quite the draft capital otherwise. I think the rumor was that the Giants wanted two first-round picks, so I, I'm, I'm not willing to pay that price, but I, I'm not opposed to trying to – Get Odell Beckham in the door that much,
1: right? Right. So, just real quick before we wrap up here, was there anybody out there that you wanted the Bears to go after that they didn't?
0: Well, I talked about Josh Sitton and the guard situation. You know, I would have been interested in Andrew Norwell, but he got paid pretty darn heavily yeah. by the Jacksonville yeah, Jaguars. Was it that he ended yeah, up with? It was the Jaguars. So, I mean, the guard market ended up getting a little bit expensive. Uh, you know, he still got. Boy, like thirteen million dollars a year with, with thirty guaranteed. I wasn't as high on a guy like Justin Pugh. I think there was some some concerns there, but you know, maybe a guy like Zach Fulton from the Chiefs, you know, he got seven million dollars a year, had that familiarity with Matt Nagy. He went to Houston, got a nice deal, you know, just some of these other like more solid than um the guy that the Bears signed. I, I keep I always get him, Larry Warford and Earl Watford. Earl
1: Watford, yeah, yeah.
0: You know, just give me give me somebody with a little bit more consistency than that. I mean, Watford was pretty bad in Arizona. And, you know, you're not going to go out and sign a Pro Bowl guard without having to pay a premium. But if I could have just gotten, you know, Jack Muhort from the Colts on a one-year deal or even take a flyer on Jonathan Cooper, right. the former top yeah. 10 pick, who really, I thought, got, got better as the year went on with Dallas last year, gives me something that gives me some hope about the left guard position because right now... I don't want Hironis Grasu starting at center no. with Cody Whitehair at left guard. No. I don't want Earl Watford starting. I don't want Bradley Sowell starting. I, I'm I'm curious what Eric Cush could do coming back from his injury. I think he has starting potential, but offensive line is so important, protecting Mitchell Trubisky, opening up the running game for Howard and Cohen. It all starts for me in the trenches, and I would have invested a lot more there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I had questions about the move for Sitton. Um I talked about him possibly being something, you know, someone the Bears might cut just because of his his age and salary combination uh, and whatnot. But on the same hand, you know, like you said, he was very productive for the Bears, who's still playing good football. And uh, on the outside, this was one of the, the, the team's most vocal supporters of Trubisky last year. He was the one that was going into press conferences talking about what a leader. Trubisky was and how he was proud to be playing with him and everything to cut a guy like that loose that does kind of make you wonder and it goes back to what I said about Jordan Howard it's like if you have
0: a a replacement plan and a better option you know then you can you can move on a guy that you maybe don't want long term but you know you're just bringing him back on a one-year deal $8 Eight million dollars is pretty near market value. You know, I think he got just under seven from Miami, which you know, at his age, he's going to have to take a pay cut like that. But you know, one year eight million dollars, and then you can still draft a guy on day three or let Eric Cush come back, and, and you can build up that plan for someone to take over next year. But I mean, right now the Bears are not a better team on the offensive line without Josh Sitton than they were with him.
1: Yeah, because I, I heard you talk about uh, Grassu. And you know what a disaster he can be uh, a lot of the time. I mean, the, the, I don't know if it's just he, if he's too light in the ass or if he's just not strong enough. But I've seen him get pushed into the into the backfield so many times uh, over the over the couple years that he's been out there. And um, you know, Cody, I, I much value Cody Whitehair as the center with whoever we have plugging them in at left guard, as opposed to putting Grassu. Uh, out there and I mean that's another knock on Grassu is that he's a center he's not a you he's not a guy that you can bounce around like you could Cody Whitehair and my concern
0: with Grassu now is that Mark Helfrich was his college head coach so maybe yeah. he's coming here saying oh yeah uh, Grassu's my guy let's start him at center we'll be fine and then maybe they're also saying well Harry Heaston can can try and coach him up and I, I I don't know that's a lot of projection that's a lot of optimism and hoping you know he, i don't think he's looked like an nfl caliber offensive lineman yet in his nfl career so to, to hope to say that bringing in his college head coach and, and a supposed well respected offensive line coach is all of a sudden gonna fix him and make me feel comfortable about this offensive line uh just just not ready to go there yet with thrown his grass Who i mean right now for me it's eric kush or bust
1: right right and then final question for you Um, this has kind of been my kryptonite the last couple of years as far as the draft is concerned. Is there anybody you don't want the Bears to go after in the first round? Surprisingly,
0: no. I mean, the one guy I might say is Saquon Barkley. And only, I mean, I understand it if he's there, but I just can't get past drafting a running back with the eighth overall pick. I mean, I understand he's got all this potential and he gets the Adrian Peterson comparisons, I'm not as totally sold that he is a a sure thing. I mean, I think Quentin Nelson is much more of a a quote-unquote sure thing. But more importantly, I just don't feel like he moves the needle that much for the Bears. I mean, when you have a a surefire 1,000-yard running back plus a dynamic receiving weapon out of the backfield in Cohen, you know how much better does Saquon Barkley make the Bears' offense in 2018 compared to – Solidifying your left guard spot for the next 10 years, right. or adding a pass rusher that can be a 10-sack guy, or adding a playmaking defensive back that can get you four sacks. I mean, for me, need comes into as talented as Saquon Barkley might be. The Bears don't need a running back, and taking a running back in the top 10 when you can find other talented running backs later in the draft, is just a hard pill for me to swallow. So is really the only one I'd really lean away from.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to actually stay away from the topic myself altogether because the last two years I was screaming at the top of my lungs for the Bears not to do something, and that's the exact thing that they did. Um, that was me know. for Leonard Floyd, so yeah, I'm with you. That that was going to be the next thing that I said. I, you know, I've mentioned this on the show before. It was either the day of or the night of the 2016 draft. I talked to my dad on the phone, and he's like, well, what do you want him, uh, what do you want him to do? And, and, and I said, and I quote, "What well, I'll tell you what I, who I don't want, and that's Leonard Floyd. And not only did we draft him, we traded up to get him. And then last year, all I could talk about was do not draft a quarterback, at least not with the third overall pick do not draft a quarterback at number 3. I would much after we sign Glennon, you know, maybe you know, a second round guy or something like that or you know, just don't draft a number we're, we we are not in a position to support a rookie quarterback at this point. And not only did we draft a quarterback, we traded up to get him. So, uh I'm going <laughs> to stay away from the idea of what the Bears should or should not do, or actually saying don't do this in the first round of the draft just because that will become the thing that happens and the thing that I'll hate until the season gets started. And
0: subtly with Leonard Floyd here, I mean, you remember how all offseason it was like, oh yeah, Leonard Floyd, he put on weight, he put on strength, he's juiced, he's going to take that next step, and then we get 10 games and four and a half sacks. And then, yeah, there's the, the John Fox effect and... The team not being very good And they're down on the scoreboard so much That other teams aren't passing as much And, you know, I I don't want to hold injuries too much against him But we've gotten 22 games in two years And we haven't seen him truly be a top 10 draft pick pass rusher We see flashes of it We'll see a couple games with, you know, multiple sacks But still waiting on Leonard Floyd to really show Why he is the ninth overall pick in 2016 And really be that top 10 edge rushing player and you know I I think people like to just assume that it's going to come together but let's really wait and see until it actually does and I I think for me that makes pass rush even that much more of a need that as much as we've been encouraged by Leonard Floyd we haven't seen that truly elite pass rusher we've seen a very good one but you know I, I think there's room to be improved from Floyd and and of course the rest of the pass rushing group that makes Bradley Chubb that much more intriguing for me.
1: Uh, I definitely agree uh, there. I mean, it's, it would be nice because we really haven't even seen. I mean, we've seen some solid performances. He's had a game. We've had a couple of sacks here. Uh, you know, his his rookie year, he he sacks uh, Rogers and scores a touchdown on Thursday Night Football and all that kind of stuff. He, you know, he's had his moments. He's had games where he's he's played well, but he hasn't had that. You know, you you, you have yet to hear something in the in the way of. Leonard Floyd took over this game like you've heard of like a Von Miller or a DeMarcus Ware or, you know, someone in that regard. Vic Beasley um, even. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, Beasley last year sacked Rogers four times in that Sunday night football game uh, and everything. You, you have yet to see a performance like that come from him. And that's the what we're waiting for. And hopefully he's, you know, going to be doing that. And, you know, also, uh, you know, another reason why, you know, maybe the Bears will trade up so they can get their hands on, on a Bradley Chubb, to secure that other end of the field so Floyd isn't exactly on an island because you know he was getting more treatment or more attention on his side of the field because they knew that there was no danger from McPhee or Willie Young or Lamar Houston or Sam Acho coming from the other side.
0: Yeah, and and now Floyd is going to have a lot of that pressure back on because there's just not a lot of guys. I mean, there's just not a lot of talent right now opposite him. And, you know, I feel like subtly, if he had another year where he gets hurt and plays 10, 11, 12 games, all of a sudden I think the narrative about Leonard Floyd starts to shift a little bit. Mm-hmm. And now it's it's three years, and we still haven't quite seen it. And is Leonard Floyd the Bears' pass rusher of the future? Is he going to be the guy? I mean, if he comes out and has a 10-sack year, that all kind of goes away. But, but subtly we're a lot closer to that question mark, that, that line of is he truly good and is he truly worth that pick? We're suddenly a lot closer to that than I think a lot of people realize after two years.
1: Right. Yeah. And and, and uh, yeah, I, I agree with you uh, on that. And then uh, finally, you know, what? Where do you are? are you a betting man at all? <laughs> I I would. Strangely enough, I'd like to be more, but I'm not.
0: <laughs> That's usually the opposite. Okay. Of action,
1: but. What's the uh, What's the over under on Kevin White this year? Do you? Th- I mean, a if he makes the team how many games do we actually get out of him this year, you know, if you had to ballpark it? Boy, it's, it's so hard to
0: say, right? I mean, the injuries haven't always been the same thing. You know, it's not always the same knee. I mean, usually they can kind of lead into each other if he doesn't recover from one properly and then you kind of distribute your weight poorly elsewhere and it leads that way. But it's not like it's been the same ACL tear twice in a row or three times in a row or whatever. So, you know, I, I can't help but expect another three, four games and another <laughs> maybe a couple hundred yards. I mean, he only got one out of him last year, but this guy, even if he plays 16 games, I don't think he's a 500-yard receiver yet. I, I mean, I don't think he is still so raw. You know, he's a rookie he didn't look ready for the NFL, last year we only got one game out of him. He's he's only caught 21 passes in his NFL career, so he's not a guy that's going to come out there and, and put up – Fifty plus yards a game or anything like that. He's he still has a long way to go. Just once he gets back on the field, and even to get back on the field, hard to put too much stock in expecting anything from Kevin White really anymore.
1: No, I I, I agree. I mean, I, and it's like all frustrations about his injury past aside. I've I've gone on record several times as saying the most frustrating thing about Kevin White is that. Going into year four, we still have no idea what we have in this kid. You know, I mean, he's being labeled a bust, and rightly so, because he can't stay healthy enough to be on the field. But he hasn't been on the field to figure out what kind of role can he play for the Bears. If he's going to be on the field and, and playing, uh, you know, what 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 spot would we give him? I mean, obviously, he's not going to be trusted with a number one or number two spot, Uh, at this point can he handle being a slot guy and going over the middle of the field we can't put him on special teams because the guy's made out of paper so we can only play him at wide receiver he's like the jaronis grassu of the wide receiver position he's not going to play special teams because we can't risk him getting injured not playing the position he was meant for and where do you put him on offense we don't really know what his skill set is
0: yeah i i really do struggle to find where kevin white fits on this 53 man roster you know with if Cameron Meredith and Allen Robinson and Taylor Gabriel there's your top three wide receivers everybody else on your roster needs to play special teams and if Kevin White's not gonna do that or if you don't really feel comfortable I mean I'm, I'm not gonna waste a roster spot on a guy just to hold out for the hope that maybe in year four and year five we start to get something from him I mean he's what 25 years old now and he's entering into the last year of his contract I think you know, it'd still be a, a pretty decent cap hit if they released him, but it's it's fully guaranteed anyway. So if they play him or pay him or keep him, it's going to cost the same. So I, I just, I, I don't see a spot for him right now on the 53-man roster unless somebody gets hurt in training camp or something, and, and maybe he can stick on that way. But the days of Kevin White in Chicago seem to be coming to an end.
1: Yeah, no, I would, I think the days of Kevin White in the NFL are probably coming to an end. If he doesn't, if he comes up short again, this year I mean it, it would have to be some extremely wide receiver desperate team that would take another uh chance on him because why would you you know like we just mentioned a minute ago you're not going to put him on special teams and he doesn't really fit anywhere on a roster that was n- so desperate for wide receivers uh last year uh you know and could definitely use the help with the position or all the extra help it can get at wide receiver with this offense with Nagy and and Helfridge and Uh, And everything now, if he can't catch on there, then, you know, who's really going to take a chance on him if he can't make it with the Bears?
0: Yeah, I kind of feel like right now the the scenario that keeps coming in my head is maybe Kevin White comes back to training camp healthy, makes a couple plays in the preseason, and then he's traded before the 53-man roster deadline to somebody that's willing to take a chance you know, one year of Kevin White, bring him in and, and see if he's worth anything. You get a, a fifth, sixth, conditional seventh round pick for Kevin White, and at least then you're not cutting him. And, you know, maybe there's some offset salary cap language in his contract so the other team doesn't have to – so they can take a little bit of the burden because I'm not really sure how that works. If his contract is fully guaranteed and the Bears trade him, I think the Bears might still be on the hook for, for a decent chunk of that. So we'll see how it plays out. But I could easily see, you know, again, another needy wide receiver team like you mentioned – willing to take a chance on a guy and maybe bring him in and see if they can kick the tires for a late round pick.
1: <laughs> I think that's best case scenario for everyone involved to be honest with you <laughs> so just because I, you know I I I don't like the odds of of Kevin White actually having some kind of impact it would be awesome if that did happen. You know, because I'd be so happy for the guy. Number one, that he stayed healthy, that he could play. Number two, that he showed everyone, you know, that he was right all along. I can play this game. I can play at this level, uh, and all that. And if he, you know, helps the Bears succeed, then all, you know, all power. You know, all, I'm all for it. But you know, right now, the, the history of it and the likelihood of it actually eventually working out are just so, so low. Uh, at this point, I think the Bears getting a little something for him and him getting a chance to to prove or catch on uh, somewhere else without having the indignity of getting cut and then trying to catch on somewhere is really the best case scenario for everyone involved.
0: Yeah, I mean maybe at, at best he lasts to the trade deadline. You know, if he if he makes it on the fifty three man roster and somehow finds a way into the rotation, but. Boy, not don't even have my fingers crossed. I mean, I, I wish Kevin White the person all the best. He Absolutely. seems like a good guy. But from a football and the business side of everything, yeah, not, not putting any eggs in that basket. Right. So
1: I think we'll wrap up there. Lauren, thanks so much uh, for hanging out with us and uh, helping us talk our way through the free agency crop. Overall, what kind of grade would you give it?
0: That's a good question. I, I haven't tried to really put a, a grade on it. This offensive line thing, I just can't shake. So I'm not ready to give it a straight A, because mm-hmm. I just think the the offensive line is the most critical position after quarterback. It's like quarterback, offensive line, pass rusher, and then weapons. And there's still I've got question marks at left guard. I've got question marks at right tackle with Bobby Massey. Right. You know. So you know I'm gonna go with a solid B for the wide receivers, or I mean for the free agency class as a whole. You know, I there haven't really been any additions that I haven't been a big fan of, but I feel like there hasn't quite been enough. Maybe I'll bump it to a B-plus because Allen Robinson was just my number one wide receiver in this class and the the guy I really thought they needed to get. And at least they prioritized, for the most part, trying to build around Trubisky. But uh, I'm stuck at that B, B B-plus range with this offensive line question still kind of looming.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think uh, B is, is a fair uh, assessment um, you know when I would have preferred a bigger splash at the cornerback position maybe a Malcolm Butler or you know or I think Johnson was the other big cornerback that was out there uh, or you know maybe making a move for a market. I mean could you know the Rams they lose Tremaine Johnson but they pick up Marcus Peters and a keep you know and we got to play against those guys this year so I'm not really looking forward to that uh, too much so maybe a, maybe a little bit of more of a bigger splash at cornerback but you know, we didn't go out and replace virtually any of the guys that we cut and our pass rushing. So right now it's like Leonard Floyd's the lone pass rusher on the roster uh, right now. So I guess the, the additions for, you know, on their own for offense would, would definitely be a B-plus, A-minus uh, area. But from for the lack of movement and activity on the defensive side, you know, that's what drops it down to a B for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, we didn't even talk about the defensive line and losing Mitch Unrein. Right, a lot of pressure right now. It's it's Jonathan Bullard and Roy robertson Harris competing to start to cost Hicks. Maybe they add someone in the draft, but boy, I, I'd feel a lot more comfortable if they added a veteran there. Same same at inside linebacker and and another guy at outside linebacker, and even an upgrade in the secondary. You know, competition for Bryce Callahan. Maybe there's some room to be, or I guess some some things to be desired still with with holes on this roster.
1: You know, there is. I mean, there's still guys like Eric Reed that played with Fangio in San Francisco. He's still. Uh, available and looking for a new team, and there are other guys out there that could be after the draft signings that might be interesting, uh, you know, to add and on. Those to... worked out
0: so well last year,
1: right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you remember Jay Howard was going to be the starting defensive end, yep. and they, they, CJ, or there's another, there's another defensive lineman from like the Seahawks or somebody, and Victor Cruz was going to be that guy again, and oh man, they they spent all the money after the draft, and I think. Uh, Benny Cunningham might have been the only one that, that panned out at all. Or was he before the draft? He, he was a later signing.
1: I think he was. Uh, I'm not sure. But I just know that, you know, like you said, with the defensive line, Wilkerson and, and Sheldon Richardson, those guys were out there, you know, rumored to be – I mean, how many times have we heard, you know, Muhammad Wilkerson possibly, you know, linked to the Bears in one fashion or another – any signs of Green Bay? It's like, well, that's fantastic. No, you know, this is somebody that we've, you know, that we've rumored to get our hands on for a long time, and I don't even know if we kicked the tires on him. And now he's going to be playing for our arch rival, and we got to face the guy uh, twice in 2018. So, uh, you know, maybe if we added one of those guys to kind of add some depth and get some veteran guys uh, across from from Hicks and another anchor. I mean, Hicks, uh, Goldman, and then Wilkerson across the front. That's that's treacherous. Uh, right there. So, I mean, yeah, it's it would have been nice to get one of those guys and that would have bumped up the grade for me But because of where we're where we are with the defense and the the additions on offense makes it a solid B for me
0: And really we're a couple of nice draft picks away, you know, they they take a Maybe they take an outside line. Maybe they get Bradley Chubb or they they reach for Harold Landry Actually, I wouldn't even say reach. I'd, I'd consider Harold Landry with the eighth overall pick anyway, but maybe they add a pass rusher in round one and a defensive lineman in round two, and a linebacker in round four, and all of a sudden things are looking a little bit more steady. I mean, I'd want a guard somewhere in there, but you know, there's, there's still, there's still time for this roster to come together a little bit, and, and we'll see a couple of those post draft signings, like you mentioned. Seems like Ryan Pace has liked those a lot over the last couple of years. So mm-hmm. one way or another, this roster is far from finished, and we'll, we'll see how the rest of these draft picks are going to play out.
1: Yeah, so that's uh, that's definitely you know it, it's, it's we're definitely a long way from being done as far as putting this roster together for training camp and, and what have you. But the moves that have been made thus far, you know, I think puts them at a B. But it's an optimistic B, one that I'm looking forward to seeing what this team is capable of on the field, and that's even before we add what we add in the draft. So uh, I am definitely looking forward to it. And and damn the Bears for keeping me optimistic after the three, <laughs> three lousy years that we just had to face with John Fox uh, at the helm. So. Uh, anyway Lauren again thanks so much uh, for coming back Uh, we love having you and uh, look forward to getting you on uh, you know probably get in touch with you sometime over the summer to do the preview where we finally we answer all these questions who did the Bears add after the draft who was in the draft who were our picks and what does this roster look like as we go barreling towards uh, towards training camp we look forward to having you back then
0: well I'm looking forward to coming back on and seems like every year when we do those preview shows we end up adding more questions about the season to come <laughs> than answering the questions that we had for the off season. so right we'll, we'll get through it we'll, we'll post some more questions and then all those questions we can answer in the, in the off season wrap up show again so right. and then we'll be back we got it on schedule
1: now absolutely and then of course we got to added the the added twist of uh there actually being a schedule to figure out who's playing when and and all that rest of it you just to see how that kind of factors into things uh as well. So there's a long way to go before we can actually put the the picture uh, the puzzle of 2018 uh together uh and uh, and and whatnot. So um uh and and I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh-oh. You said it once before and I'm going to make you tell my audience when am I going to be on locked on bears dude? When's that going to happen? No lie.
0: Ah, see? Pretty
1: damn soon. Okay. Okay. I, I'm not,
0: Literally, when we were done with recording, I was going to ask you if I can get you on next week. I'm like, (laughs) I've had, I have a list of like, okay, here's, you know, I try and plan out a little bit, you know, like what I'm going to do, and you are next on the list. So when we're done recording, (laughs) let's set that up for next week. I'm not even joking that it was on my, it was on the top of my mind here to to keep rolling.
1: Awesome, awesome. I thought I caught you there, like, uh, uh, you know, that little hesitation there, but I look forward to it, and you guys look forward to that as well. Actually, you should be listening to that. That show anyway. Uh, Locked on Bears. I downloaded it on iTunes, and I think I heard you say on the show today it's on Spotify and everywhere else in between. You can get your hands on a podcast. You can find Lauren on uh, Bears Wire from time to time. And what do you do with Pro Football Focus? I am an analyst, so I, I do. I help put together those grades that
0: everyone loves to hate. Right. So you know the, it, those grades the
1: that uh, made made uh, Adrian Amos like the greatest player in the history of defensive football last year, right? You know, I think with with PFF
0: grades, people sometimes misunderstand exactly what they're trying to say. It's a production grade. You know what I mean? So it's sure. it's not as much like this player is the best player, but it's more like given the situations that this player was put in, here's how they performed individually, and then you can kind of compare that way. So, you know, there's 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 uh, value there, but it, it's certainly not the the overall or the end all be all, and I don't think. People at PFF try to use it that way, either.
1: Right. All right. Well, we we'll look forward to uh, to joining you on the show. We look forward to having you back here on the Chicago Bears Review. Lauren Cox. It's uh, is it Cox Sports one? Yes, on sir. The- like Fox Sports one with the right. All right. On on the Twitter. So hit him up there and then listen to Locked On Bears. Lauren Cox. Thanks so much for being on the show again, my friend. Like I said, Lauren had me on his show basically right after we got done recording that, and uh, we didn't just have a conversation about doing it. We actually did it, uh, had a great time, got talked to him about 20. We had a very condensed conversation uh, afterwards, but uh, we got a lot into it and uh, had a lot of fun. Uh, I always enjoy talking bears with him and um, love having him on the show. Look forward to having him. Uh, back The next time I can think of that we're going to have him back will probably be, you know, he's been our guy to help preview the Bears uh, when we get done with our opponent previews. And that's going to start around the same time it did last year, probably right, right around uh, late May, around the Memorial Day holiday uh, is probably when we'll start kicking those off and we'll be cranking those out uh, throughout the summer leading right up to uh, training camp. Take a little break before training camp and then we come back with the preseason reviews and uh, then we get into it with the regular season and we're off and running so uh hopefully we'll have a lot more happy victory monday episodes than we've had in quite some time i mean it's been you know six years since lovey gave us 10 wins and got fired and the best we've done since then is the first year under um under tressman with the eight wins and then You know, six is the best we've done since then in the first year of John Fox's uh, tenure. And uh, yeah, it's been uh, quite a uh, it's been a mess. So uh, hopefully we're we're this is the we're on the precipice of something fantastic. We went ahead and we gambled and we got our quarterback last year. We finally got him the help and free agency. Uh, Maybe we'll add some dynamic defensive tools in the draft and all that kind of stuff. And uh, looking forward to seeing what's happening uh, with the Bears uh, this year. So I'm also trying not to get my hopes up too much, uh, especially with the with the tease that was the Eagles and the Rams last year being in year two of their highly touted drafted quarterbacks and and all the rest of that stuff. And, you know, both teams went out and got weapons for their quarterbacks. The next thing you know, uh, both teams make the playoffs and, you know, look like they're getting buckled down. Uh, for a long successful future and um it's hard not to expect that from the bears or at least want it to happen uh to the bears and um you know hopefully we won't uh, be upset and thinking that hey hey we're gonna be 2018's rams or eagles and uh we end up being the you know the nfc's browns again so um anyway That's all we're going to do with the free agency review. Had a great time talking with Lauren on this show and on his show, Locked on Bears. Make sure you go ahead and subscribe to that, download it. Uh, It's a fun show. And, uh, you know, if last night is any indication, you'll be seeing me pop up there uh, from time to time throughout uh, the year. So uh, be able to look forward to that. And we'll also have him back. Uh, as well. So um, next time we will be talking to each other is when the Bears released, or when the NFL releases the schedule for the twenty eighteen season. So we'll find out who the Bears are playing and when. Are they going to be on national TV at all this year? Uh, you know, when is the nine? When? Oh God, I forgot about this. We're wearing the orange jerseys again this year. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want him to wear the orange jerseys. <laughs> oh, God. And I just had a vision of Akeem Nick Hicks in all orange on the color rush. Yeah, that's that's probably going to happen. We got to wear those goddamn orange jerseys. They're probably going to do the color rush head-to-toe thing. Oh, that's going to be awful. That is going to be awful. It's... And anyone who signed the petition or the rallied behind Akeem Hicks when he made that, that ominous tweet about wanting to wear the orange jerseys, you can all go straight to hell, okay? Uh, whoever helped Akeem Hicks make the orange jerseys a thing again, go right to hell every last one of you. We'll be the Chicago pumpkins that weekend uh, when we're wearing those goddamn orange jerseys. I absolutely hate them. You guys know I'm the uniform snob from hell and I cannot stand to see my beloved who have some of the sexiest uniforms in in sports, not just football, in sports, wearing those godforsaken jerseys. They are absolute eyesores. Every last one of them. I hate them. So yeah, we can win 150 to nothing would be an unsuccessful weekend for me because we wore those goddamn jerseys. So anyway, I'm going to leave on that note, that very optimistic, very happy Note: We'll be back when the schedule is released, and uh, we'll also have our draft preview, with, hopefully with Scott Wright from DraftCountdown.com. Uh, if not, I'm sure we can probably dig somebody up to uh, help us uh, uh, muddy our way through the NFL draft. And uh, you know, who are the Bears going to pick? How many of those quarterbacks are going to go in the top five? And you know, who's going to be left for the Bears to pick? You know, what what kind of prospect is that going to leave for the Bears to pick when all these quarterbacks get shuffled out? who's going to make trades and so on and so forth. Should, should be a lot of fun. So until then, um, looking forward to seeing you guys more and more. Now as the offseason winds down, we got our opponent previews coming. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so until then, my name is Larry D. This has been the Chicago Bears Review. Hey, hey.